It's interesting to me that when uh, you, you go back into the Old Testament and you look at the covenant that um, God made with Abraham, uh, it was really the Great Commission. Because through Abraham as being the father of Israel, uh, the goal was and the agreement and the covenant was that Israel would be used to lift up the name of God so that other nations would come by faith. Well, that's what the church is supposed to do. Lift up the name of Jesus so that others might come and by faith receive eternal life. That's the Great Commission, right? Uh, and not only that, we were called to make disciples to teach. So our goal today is to lift Jesus high. Can we do that? If you're able to stand, would you stand and, and sing with us?
lifted high. We're gonna see, we're gonna see, we're gonna see Jesus lifted high. This next song is, should describe our hearts, and I pray that as we sing it, we pray prayerfully. Uh, a man by the name of Dennis Jernigan wrote this, and he wrote this after God gave him victory of a, uh, over a homosexual lifestyle. And he realized he couldn't do it alone, that Jesus was his all in all. He's now married with, I think, 10 kids. And God has really blessed his ministry. My prayer today is if you remember nothing else, that you can leave here saying that Jesus is our all in all. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I be a fool. You are my all in all.
Amen. The reason why we're all here today is because Jesus is our living hope, isn't he? He's not in the grave, he's alive. We celebrated that event a couple of weeks ago. And because he's alive, gives us great hope. Would you sing about the living hope? How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The child of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Praise the one who set me free, hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. And in the morning that sealed the promise, your buried body 
to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me jesus yours is the Great singing, you may be seated. Give me a chance to come around. You know, with singing like that, Jeremy, you start choir again, you know. <laughs> you could all be here on Thursday night. Yet, <laughs> I'll leave that to Sharon. So. For our responsive reading today, this is kind of a parallel verse from John chapter 6. And I wonder if John had this in mind when, or Jesus had this in mind, I should say, when Jesus gave this sermon, if you will. But would you read this with me? This is an invitation. Here we go. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me. Listen. I mean, it's twice. Listen, listen, right? To me. And eat what is good and you will delight in the riches of fair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, he has endowed you with splendor. Isn't that great? We'll unpack that through the, the message as uh, we go through it in a little bit. Uh, just a couple of prayer requests that, that we need. Um, Uncle Bill's still having some 
uh, health issues, right? Uh, as he was in, he wanted to come today, but, uh, <coughs> excuse me, seven o'clock this morning, uh, he, his leg was giving him a problem, so uh, he decided not to come. So we need to pray for him. Uh, we need to pray for, our, uh, for Chip also. Uh, Chip is home from the hospital, which is a good thing. And pray that that wound will uh, heal in a healthy way. Uh, and also we need to pray for Willa. She's under the weather and uh, not feeling well. So if we can pray for Willa and, of course, continue to pray for Gloria as she uh, heals from a, a, a broken arm and all that's entailed with, with that. Um, sometimes I feel like we're a hospital, you know, <laughs> but we need prayer. And uh, we'll pray for that. We need to pray for our churches, too. Uh, it's great to see all of you here today. Uh, you're a blessing to me, and I, I appreciate that. So uh, I'm going to ask a couple of uh, people to come to help with the uh, offering of uh, tithes and gifts. And we'll pray uh, for everything as before we take the offering. Let's pray. Join me in prayer. Oh, Father, uh, we know that there are many needs. Uh, today, we, we're aware of physical needs. We pray for Willa. We pray for Gloria. We pray for Chip. We pray for Uncle Bill. And, Father, uh, we, we pray for healing for, for all. We ask that you restore each of them to health and bring them back into the fellowship. And in the meantime, Father, as we can minister, would you open the doors for ministry so we can let people know we care? And through that, Father, we let people know that you care. And Father, as we look forward and look forward to proclaiming the gospel as you open up doors to share the gospel um, in person and even through technology, we ask that as good stewards, we would give to the work of the kingdom, the tithes and the offerings, so that your kingdom and the Lord Jesus Christ may be held up and that people would come to him by faith and experience forgiveness and new life by faith alone. And Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to John chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 22 to 36 today. And um, this is a, a wonderful chapter. It's one of the central chapters in John. Uh, John, uh, uh, through the Holy Spirit, of course, gives us such great information about who Christ is. And uh, that information is, is valuable as we go forward. I'm going to bring you this, uh, we're going to unpack this step by step as, as we go along with this, but I want to set the stage here. 
Jesus just fed the 5,000 men, so that means there were 5,000 men, probably 5,000 women and more children, right? So this incredible miracle of free, uh, feeding the crowd, taking care of their physical needs, well, of course, that made Jesus intensely popular. So they were going to try to force him to be king. And Jesus didn't want that because that wasn't the type of king he wanted them to understand. So he slipped away, but the crowds were still going to follow him. And even though at that point some dropped off, but there were still you know, a number of people. And he told his disciples to get in a boat and go to the other side of the lake. Well, Jesus didn't accompany them. The scriptures tell us he was on a mountainside watching them. And about three or four miles out, a storm, dead storm, developed and they were in trouble. And you know the account. Jesus went to them because, listen, Jesus was watching, right? He went to them. He walked on the water. Remember that? And in, in two other gospels, it talks about, you know, Peter, Peter who's still kind of impetuous, right? And he says, you know, Peter says to the Lord, you know, Lord, <laughs> I want to do what you did. I want to walk on water. So Jesus in his graciousness says, come. Now, in all fairness to Peter, he had the faith to take that first step out of the boat. I don't know if I would have done that, but he did. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was fine. But when he started to get distracted by the storm, he started to sink. And of course, Jesus in his grace reached down and lifted him up. And then he got into the boat. It says they, they welcomed him in the boat. The storm stopped. And in a flash of an eye, they find themselves at their destination. Well, the crowd wasn't going to let Jesus get away. So they made the trip all around the lake to see what Jesus' next trick was. It's hard to say that, isn't it? But it's true. It's true. See, the crowd just didn't get it. That's the context of this. And I need to set one more context. Because we are all born with a sin nature that we inherit from Adam, there's a void in our lives. And we realize that there's a void in there because something's missing. I should say someone is missing. We're born with an innate spiritual hunger for what is missing. Our problem is we usually settle to try cheap substitutes to fill that void. And sometimes those substitutes could be even good things many times and not so good. And so as we, as we try to satisfy that hunger, if you will, we find now that there's only one who can satisfy that. And his name is Jesus. So I, I want to focus on that with you in this passage because it is so important. Um, we live in a day and age, uh, I believe, that the evangelical church is suffering uh, 
from malnutrition. And what I mean by that is this, even, even people who profess to be born again, um, when, we, when, we, when we choose to walk away from Jesus, we get sucked into trying other things that can never satisfy, right? Listen, I've heard this from born-again believers. If I only win the lottery, yeah, okay, you'll be rich and miserable, you know? Uh, if, you know, if I, if I only had this, this house, okay, you'll be comfortable with a big mortgage, okay? I mean, we, we, we get into these ruts, even as believers, and the result is when we stop feeding our soul with the bread from heaven, Jesus, we suffer from malnutrition. And that has consequences. Now, when a person who has no relationship with, with God through Christ, they think that whatever is going to satisfy them, that's worth the pursuit. And when they get there, they find it's still lacking. There was a song many years ago, and I, I don't remember who did it. It was kind of a depressing song. But um, the song is, uh, is titled, Is That All There Is? Right? Pe Peggy Lee did it? That was before my time. <laughs> Excuse me, God, I confess. <laughs> but is that all there is? And, you know, I, I, you may know people like that. We may be some of those people who, you know, you achieve something. If I only had that promotion, if I only had this, if I only had that, I'd be satisfied. And you get there and you say, is that all there is? Listen, I want you to look at this passage with me because we have three choices when it comes to our spiritual hunger. We can choose to ignore it. When we ignore it and we discount or disregard or reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're doomed for an eternity apart from God. That's serious, right? We can try to satisfy it with someone or something else that may satisfy us for a short time but still leave us wanting. Isn't that true? And the third is we can trust in Christ, the bread of heaven, and never be spiritually hungry again. There are eternal consequences to those choices. I'm going to explain, you know, what those mean. But let's start to go the, uh, through this. Verse 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite uh, shore of the lake realized that, the, that only one boat, uh, boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with the disciples, but they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near a place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord gave thanks. In other words, more people came because they wanted what? A free lunch. A free lunch, right? All right. Once the crowd realized, realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, 
they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? I want you to notice this. They, they were baffled. Well, Jesus, we didn't see you get into the boat, but how did you get here? And I love how Jesus doesn't answer this. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He didn't answer the question, did he? But he got right to the motive. He got right to the motive. Listen. Jesus revealed to the crowd and the Jewish leaders that were with them, probably Pharisees, right? The self-righteous religious people who were rotting on the inside. He he revealed their true motive. Their stomachs were full. They were looking for food. uh, And food they didn't have to work for, right? Did you ever hear the saying, there's no such thing as a free lunch? <laughs> Cost somebody something, didn't it? All right. But they were looking for a free lunch. Lord, gee, I follow you, I'll never have to work again. Boy, what a sad mentality. But don't we come to God like that sometimes? I'm afraid even in the church we make the mistake because of poor theology, by the way, that we come to God as long as he can do something for us. And shocker of shockers, when we look at the scripture and we look at how Jesus answered and we look at the scripture as a whole, we find out it's not about us. It's all about him. And rather than then coming to Jesus and say, Jesus, you're the one who satisfies. Not the physical alone, but that spiritual hold. No, we're looking for him to do the next trick that we want. You often heard me say that Jesus is not Monty Hall, right? You know, anybody know who Monty Hall is? All right. Let's make a deal. I think... Um, the comedian hosts that now. I can't remember his name. Um, but let's make a deal. And too many times, even believers are guilty as we come to God and we say, Lord, if you do this for me, I'll come to church Sunday. Or Lord, if you do this for me, I'll, I'll read the Bible every day. Lord, if you do this for me, I'll stop swearing, using your name in vain. No. Those were all wrong. Whatever happened to the Lord's prayer that says, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Show me your will, Lord, and help me obey. That's the better prayer, isn't it? Listen, God answers prayer. He answers it either in several ways. He'll answer it, yes. 
he'll answer it no. And when he answers no, he sees the grand picture. We don't. But the no is what's best for us. And then he says, you're not ready yet. You need to be prepared. Just keep on being patient and walk with me. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. The signs that Jesus did were all meant to point people for their need of God through faith in Christ. The signs were to glorify God and let them know that you can know the kingdom of God through faith in Christ. But they missed it. Listen to this. This sounds very much like Isaiah. Do not work for food that spoils, uh, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. From now on, God the Father has placed his seal of approval on his Son. Well, what a promise. He said, look, it's Physical food is important to sustain us, correct? We have to eat. Some of us eat too much, but we have to eat. If we don't eat, we become what? Malnourished. And our body starts to break down. Jesus is not saying that's not important. That's important, but there's a greater issue here. You're ignoring the bread of heaven, the food that endures to an eternal life. That is Jesus himself. When we come to Jesus by faith and we recognize he was sent by the Father and he identifies himself with the bread of heaven, which infuriated the Pharisees, by the way. And this was the Son of Man. He alone can give us what we hunger for so that we'll never hunger for, hunger, be hungry for it again. And that's him. Wow. Look at this. Look how he develops this. Then they asked, what must we do to do the works God requires? <laughs> this is that mentality, you know, like, well, I got to do something to earn God's favor. I got to do something to, to, to earn this. No, no, no. Look how Jesus answers. He says, the work of who? God is this. Believe in the one who he has sent. God and Jesus did the work on the cross. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son to save us, and that salvation is only available through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. God and Jesus did the work. All we have to do is believe. That's what the scripture says. And doesn't mean a belief in the mind. It means a wholehearted belief where you dedicate yourself to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I trust you with my eternity. 
I trust you with my soul. I know that because of your death, when I trusted you, my sins were forgiven, past, present, and future. I know that you nailed my shame to the cross. I know you conquered the grave in your resurrection, and you're alive. You are the bread of heaven. So they asked him, what sign will you do? <laughs> will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? You know, I laugh, but I suspect I might have been one of the, I might be saying the same thing if I was with them. They were looking for another trick, if you will. And Jesus says this. Well, this is the other part of their request. Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness as it was written or is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, what is not said here in John is the fact that uh, uh, in other accounts it says that uh, Moses gave them bread in the wilderness. And Jesus wants to straighten that out. He says, it wasn't Moses, it was God. He gave you manna from heaven, the bread from heaven. And here's what he says. Jesus said to them, very truly, I, I tell you. In other words, you can take this to the bank. This is the absolute truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. That's Christ. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives light to the world. And then they say, sir, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I, as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. Wow. Listen, Jesus is still alive, and uh, he will be alive for all eternity, right? And although we don't physically see him, he... The mission of the church is to preach Christ and what he did for us on the cross, to preach the bread of heaven so that others may trust in him by faith and know forgiveness of sin, new life, and eternal life by faith alone. But we have to recognize we're sinners. And sin is anything that we do that's against the word of God and the will of God. None of us escape. But at the cross, we can repent and confess our sin and receive the bread of life. This is a picture of communion too, isn't it? And we're going to look at that more closely next week. But let me give you this to consider.
In the Church of North America, you heard me say before that I believe, generally speaking, the church is suffering from spiritual malnutrition. There's a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons, one of the principal reasons, I believe, um, is because we do not stay in the word consistently. What happens if you don't feed yourself? You go hungry, right? When I hear people saying to me that they're in a church and they're not getting fed, and I say back, are you coming hungry? Are you coming expecting to be fed? But even more important than that, are you feeding yourself in the meantime? That's the key question. That's why we get malnourished spiritually. The second reason is we stop praying. Communication is everything, isn't it, in any relationship? You know, when a husband and wife st stop talking, and that is a consistent behavior, that relationship is all but dead. Communication is key. Same thing with our relationship with God. He wants us to communicate with him, and he wants to communicate with us through his word. Once we cut off communication, either through not reading the word or praying, then we're on the path of spiritual malnutrition. The third thing that can create spiritual malnutrition is forsaking the assembly. We don't need church. I could do church on the golf course. I can do church on the boat. I can do church in my backyard. Well, no, that's not church. God ordained the church to be his body. And his body has a purpose. And in the assembly, we worship, we pray, we encourage one another. And in the assembly, we disciple one another. And that's the way it's supposed to work. Lord, I'm going to church today because they got a good praise band. Have fun. It's not a good reason. Lord, I'm going to church today because as their building is magnificent. Have fun. Now, listen, I'm not saying that those things are bad. What I'm saying is that's a bad reason for going to church. Let me put it another way. Think back to when you were in love. Hopefully you're still in love with someone, right? But think back. To cultivate a healthy relationship, you needed to spend time with that person. Isn't that right? Because if you don't, <laughs> this is one of the things. I, I meet people, even Christians sometimes, who say to me, I met this wonderful person. 
Where'd you meet him? Oh, online. No, you didn't meet him. You don't know anything about him. Oh, no, this, this, this person. No. Have you seen him face to face? Have you talked face to face? Until you spend time together, real time, you don't know them. In fact, much of the information on those things is false. Right? I'll put a picture of Johnny Weissmuller in my place, right? How many remember Johnny Weissmuller? The original Tarzan, right? right? I mean, listen, relationships take time to cultivate. You don't just get it on a Sunday. You have to be consistently spending time with God, spending time with Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit bring the Word alive to you. Before I leave this, I want to make clear that Jesus made a, a declaration in verse 35 that really got the hair on the back of the Pharisees' neck to stand up. When Jesus declared, I am, he declared himself to be God in the flesh. The great I am. I am. And then he goes further. Not only am I the I am, I am the bread of life. I'm the one who completely satisfies. I'll leave you with the, something that I've found out in my years of the study of Scripture. Too many times, uh, especially in our culture, we're taught to look for people and things that will meet our needs, right? I don't know if you realize that we're in one of the most narcissistic cultures in the world. You know what narcissism is? It's all about me. You know, everything else revolves around me. No, no. Here's what Jesus says. It's all about him. And if we come to him by faith, it's still not about us. We are the recipients of his grace because what he did in our place on the cross, we have new life, forgiveness, by his grace and love for us. And now we need to come to him and say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Not, Lord, what can you give me now? We've deteriorated into that. That is one of my biggest concerns about the health and wealth gospel. You know, the health and wealth gospel, uh, which I think is bad, uh, based on bad theology, uh, it says if you have enough faith, you'll never be sick. If you have enough faith, you'll never be poor. If you have enough faith, you'll never have pain. That makes Jesus the biggest failure in history. For three and a half years, Jesus was homeless. Jesus didn't have any money. Who had it? Judas. Right? That's not the answer. 
The answer is this. The more you know Jesus and you spend time with him, the more you love him, and the more you want to serve him and serve others. That's what Christianity is all about. We'll continue in this sermon next week, and, and we'll see how it develops. But realize, uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of age things today, okay? I remember John Kennedy's inauguration speech. I watched it, right? I was 11 years old. Don't do the math. And he made this statement, which I, I will never forget. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Listen, we have to promise that Jesus will take care of our needs. Maybe not the way we think, but in the way that fulfills his will. We don't have the promise that he will necessarily fulfill our wants. I'm still waiting for my Cadillac. I'm kidding, by the way. But if we aren't living, worshiping, praying, reading the word with the attitude of, Lord, I'm here to serve you. Lord, show me what has to change within me, show me what I need to do to serve you and honor you. If we don't come to church with that attitude, then we're just as guilty as the crowd. So, you want to read ahead for next week? We're gonna, I'm not even sure if we'll get through the rest of the chapter, probably not. But we'll get through uh, verse 59, uh, if you want to read ahead. Uh, but this is a dynamic portion of scripture that we all, all need to, to learn and hear. Uh, I'm going to ask the praise people to come up. Don't be bashful. As they come up, I chose this song very uh, specifically uh, because Paul talks about, for, for a believer, you need to run the race. And we needed to run it as if we're going to win. Well, we know we're going to win because we know the end of the story, okay? But this race is not like a sprint. It's a marathon. And we go step by step. Not our steps, but his steps. You know, Peter uses some interesting language in, in uh, uh, one of, I think it was his first letter, where he's admonishing people who are being persecuted for their faith. He says, listen, listen don't lose heart. Just follow in Jesus' footsteps. The imagery in the original language is like, you know when somebody walks through snow, you can see their footprints? Jesus already, already walked that way. All he wants you to do is follow him and be obedient. 
That's a great picture for us. Well, Lord, I don't understand what's happening. We don't know how need to understand. We just need to follow Jesus. Step by step. A missionary I knew was on the mission field, went into a deep depression. And um, her husband, who, who also was a missionary, is a missionary, uh, and also an MD, uh, said to her, listen, when you're confused, just take the next right step. Then the next one will follow. Step by step. Would you stand, please? From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you all for coming today. Uh, you're a blessing to me. It was great to be together today. You know, we, earlier we looked at Proverbs. Now we looked at Jesus' discourse on the bread of life and that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the great I am. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the encouraging words from Scripture. Help us stay connected with you. Holy Spirit, give us a desire to read the word, to pray, to worship, to obey by faith. And Father, I pray that as you send us out these doors into the mission field, you might open up opportunities for us to love others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his holy name. And all God's people said? Amen. Now you can do a little better. All God's people said? Great. God bless. Have a great day.